0: Oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that. Be oh, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Be oh my, I have enjoyed that. Kyoto and welcome back to another episode of In the Shed's on Code with Kingy. where for this yarn I sat down with the Chiefs and Tasman Makora's Alex Nenkavel. where of course the midfielder went into some detail about his rugby career, which includes making his provincial debut in his first year out of school, tackling Sai Kaleesi and representing the Māori All Blacks. He was also willing to shed some light on some of the work he's been doing off the field with Cured Kids. So please, please, please stick around long enough in this podcast to hear why Alex is an ambassador for the charity. But as always, do just enjoy. Kia Alex, and thank you very much for taking some time out tonight to talk to me on Code with Kingy. Um, like I mentioned, I'm just looking to get uh, a bit more about your story. I mean, I've done a bit of digging and I've, I listened to the podcast that you did up with old Jimmy Ma. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just, I've, got, I've got a few questions of my own, bro. So yeah, kia ora and thank you very much for accepting my invitation.
1: No, no worries, bro. Thanks for having me. Um,
0: I guess we'll start
1: with the sort of chronological thing,
0: bro. So how did you start playing footy and where
1: did you grow up? Um so I'm pretty I'm pretty like the basic story started as early as you could I started playing under fives down in down in Christchurch so I was born up in Oaks and then moved to gizzy was there for a few years because dad worked on the vineyards and was a teacher there and then um, moved to Christchurch because he got a job at Christ College um, and pretty much just started as soon as I could bro and grew up down there uh, went to Christchurch boys so yeah
0: true so was your family big into rugby and that's how you just ended up falling into
1: it? Um, my old man just, yeah, just loves the day, like, he played, um, when he was growing up and, um, played a bit of senior footy up in Auckland, so yeah, just got it, got me into it early, he still loves it, like, probably, probably a bit over the top sometimes now, but <laughs> he does love it, he's number one supporter, so it's, um, it's good stuff to have someone to talk to about.
0: Cool. And your mum wasn't too worried about you getting stuck in? I know my mum was, but...
1: Um, to be fair, she probably was, like... Um, at a younger age, I'd say she was always that loud lady screaming at me on the sideline, but um, always win- always in a bit going into contact, so um, I'd say she didn't rate it, but um, we just loved it so much, so she was happy that we were doing that.
0: Yeah, fair game. Okay, so you go to Christchurch Boys, but your old man's a teacher at Christ. How does that work?
1: Yes, yeah, so, it's interesting one, eh? So he was a teacher there probably up until me and my brother were intermediate, and then he moved on to another job, got headhunted out of that, so it was at, at the timing worked out quite well, so we left um, Christ College probably the year before my older brother went to Christchurch Boys, so yeah, it just worked out that way, he, we wanted to go to the Christchurch Boys side because it was the best foot rugby school down there, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, interesting though.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I guess... I mean, like I, I look at the the dynamic they have down there at the moment. And it's getting a little bit like um Auckland, to be fair, in terms of with the the scholarships and whatever else. Whether like you're St Andrews and, and Christ, you aren't typically the the big dogs compared to you know you being an old boy Christchurch Boys and St Bede's. But alright, anyway, so you you go to Christchurch Boys, you know, yeah, for for the footy, and I mean, like were you again, you know, growing up, and then you just rolled into the first fifteen, like year eleven, buzz, or what, what's sort of your story from schoolboy time?
1: Um, I wouldn't say I was a gun. I was when I was younger. I was always like quite fast for my age. Like I did athletics up until kind of intermediate, and I was always like I'd always win all the races and um, do all that stuff in the South Island. But kind of I was real small, probably up until year eleven. Um, Although all the boys had growth spurts, and I was kind of still this little fella, so I was playing first five and fullback, So um, I probably struggled a bit in my early days at Christchurch Boys just because I was little. I played 10, I played a bit in halfback cause I was little and um, didn't really kind of come into my own until probably, year, probably end of year 12, bro, when I got selected in the Canary Under-18s, which I was a bit shocked about. Um, and then I got moved to 12, that, that um, rep campaign. And then just, I don't know, just loved it, bro. Just, yeah, just found my feet a bit and kind of started from there.
0: True, that's a that's a pretty big shift going from 10 to 12. I mean, I know it's only like, a couple of paces outside, you know, your, your typical standing position at scrum and line out time but, I mean, did you, are you just a guy that, you know, playing 10 and 15, you froth the contact, like you love running with the ball, love making your tackles and so it was
1: easy? Um, I always loved, like, I always loved attacking, um, kind of, I was a pretty dusty defender, like learnt pretty quick coming out of school that I needed to do something with my tackle tech um, but I think I got away with it just because I was, I was actually quite a big boy in year 13 so, yeah. I, to be fair, I've always kind of understood the game pretty well in terms of um, just how how it works, and so it wasn't too too hard of a shift to be honest. True.
0: And okay. Well, what about the success on the field? How did you guys go? in your was it two two or three years you played in the first team?
1: So I was in a, I was in a year twelve as well. So um, I had this massive growth at year eleven, year twelve. Probably ninety ninety four kgs in year twelve. Like, did, but didn't know how to use it. I, I still <laughs> played fullback. Um, that year, we, we, we're like, we were strong, but we I think Marlborough boys won it that year. Um, with that year is the year, like Mitch Hunt and stuff, we went Nelson boys, and um was at Marlborough, so that, they had pretty strong teams as well. But then year 13, uh, we've dominated. Our, I don't think we lost a game all year. We lost the Otago boys in our traditional, um, but other than that, we're pretty dominant that whole year, yeah, got to top four. And then we played a strong Hamilton Boys team in the semi and got put by one point. <laughs> True. So, so yeah.
0: who won top four that year? Did you finish twenty fourteen?
1: Yeah, twenty fourteen was my last year. So it was the old Scots College draw with mm. Hamilton Boys. Was it Hamilton Boys?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, a tough year. I finished twenty fourteen as well. So I'm oh, a Silverstream yeah, yeah. boy. Yeah. And we, um, yeah, we lost to Scots uh, on the Hooter. They literally oh, that, kicked, yeah, yeah, that's right they kicked the penalty to win the game um, yeah. So see that was a it was sort of like tough watching Scots go on but I guess if you're going to lose to anyone you want it to be the eventual champ but yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll leave those sort of as distant memories so
1: <laughs>
0: strong um, footy player at school you you make the jump you make some rep teams so what was the plan for you when you left school did you have footy front of mind or uni
1: um so I' would always kind of was always worried about that plan b so Kind of going into year thirteen, it was always to get UE and then go study it somewhere, and then hopefully kind of pick something up along the way with rugby. But it probably wasn't until the uh, first thirteen stuff kicked off, and then then I started getting a bit of interest from from like the academy in, in Christchurch, and then got an agent hit me up. So um, it all happened pretty quick, to be honest. Like it wasn't ever like I want to, I obviously want to be an all black and whatnot, but it kind of didn't really see it working out the way it has. Um, so far, so yeah. Really, after that interest came in, and then then I was like, yeah, I actually this is what I want to do. Um, rather than go to uni, so yeah.
0: Okay, and so um, I mean, you mentioned that agent process, bro. And this is just, you know me being like a club rugby battler, so I've never had anything like that happen <laughs> to me, bro. But how does that yeah. work? Like at high school, do they just like contact you randomly? Do they come through the school? Do they go through your parents?
1: Um. So. There was a bit through the school and there was a bit through my parents like my old man was a teacher so he's got lots of contacts around around New Zealand I like he always bumps into people he knows wherever we go and he, I think he knew, I think it was maybe Craig Ennis. I think he, he's the guy that works at Esportif um, and had that contact through him just know, met him up in Auckland or played rugby with him or what have you. Um, so that came through there pretty much and then, um, so now Dan Kane he got in touch with my old man and then came down for a visit and yeah it was a pretty pretty cool experience
0: actually yeah I mean I, I can only imagine bro okay so agent process you leave school and now you actually end up playing provincial rugby straight out of school which is pretty like out the gate like not a lot of guys do that especially down there and that sort of Christchurch Tasman setup so how did that all work for you was it were you did you get like a bit of luck with injuries, or were you like like you said you just sort of just transitioned into that professional environment quite seamlessly?
1: Um, it was it was actually pretty probably a bit of luck to be honest, bro. Like, um, so I started at Lincoln. I was there for the first kind of half of the year, then went up to Tasman when Moditin Cup started. So, I went a right down. I played seniors as well straight out of school, um, and went right there and then. I guess Leon McDonald was probably, like all credit to him bro, I was too fair, like I was a big boy but like I wasn't ready for provincial rugby, um, like not at all and I think just fell into a Tasman side that was kind of always willing to give someone a go and have a crack and just back to the squad that they had so um, credit to kind of Kieran Kane and Leon McDonald for just giving me an opportunity that probably looking back on it in hindsight wasn't, wasn't ready for I don't think.
0: Well, I guess sometimes the best way to learn is to be thrown in the deep end. But did you play, like, um, at the Jock Hobbs and Morantum? Did you play under-19s before rolling into that? Or were you sort of, like, pushed aside with that considering they were, you know, going to throw you out, you know, for yeah. Tasman? Now, how does it even work, bro? Like, how does it, for someone who has no idea what that relationship is between the Canterbury and the Tasman setup up and the Crusaders Academy, like... How do they, you know, get the likes of yourself or Will Jordan? Like, yeah, why, why don't they try and keep you guys at Canterbury? Is it just because you get better opportunities
1: a bit further north? Um, I think, bro, for me, like, um, it's always been about playing rugby, and um, obviously Canterbury's like leads the way, and the Crusaders do too. But for me, like, I play rugby because I love playing rugby. It's like I don't want to sit in a system and you know miss opportunities to play elsewhere, you know, so that was like a massive part of it when Tasman offered me a full contract was that I'd probably get a better opportunity to play, um, and then the Crusaders kind of, fit Tasman fitted under under their bubble, so I was in the Crusaders Academy for the first few years um, before coming up to the Chiefs, and it kind of worked out pretty well with that, because that was kind of the main thing, being on the Crusaders thing, and then getting up to Tasman to have kind of experience in a professional environment. True. Yeah. Um, and then with the Jock Hobbs stuff, pretty much worked in quite well, like, I play, I think I played a couple of games for the Tasman prior to that, um, and then had kind of been training with the under-19s every so often, so, and then, um, I think I got an injury just before it, so I was kind of out of the um, Tasman mix, and then ended up, my return to play was kind of when that Jock Hobbs tournament was on, so just folded into that quite quite sweetly actually.
0: Oh, true. Beauty. And, and what's the relationship between, you know, boys like yourself who are from Canterbury who go up to Tasman? Like, do you sort of have to earn your stripes thing as you're not a local or do you guys tend to get along quite quickly just being South Islanders? I don't know. Is it, is it like a big brother, like little brother thing? Like, how does how does that all work um, for people who aren't all that familiar?
1: Not, uh, not so much, I don't think, big brother, little brother. Like, the thing that appealed to me about Tassie was, when I did go and visit, was that kind of, Real opening culture, and like you ask any of the boys that go there, like that's one of the first things they notice is you can kind of come in and be from, doesn't really matter where you are from, if it's the closest rivals to the team or whatnot, like you're just welcomed up, welcomed in with open arms, and um, it's still strong like that, I think, at Tassie. Um, So, and that's the thing that stood out, so there's nothing, no, like people didn't hold on to any grudges or anything like that, so um, yeah. True. I mean,
0: you you touched on culture, and obviously that's a, been a big part of the success. I mean, like by the time you got there, they'd sort of just been making ground as sort of forming this powerhouse, and you guys have won the last two competitions, which we'll get to. But I mean, like did what Tasman did in terms of building that culture, did it sort of bounce off of you know the setup down in Canterbury and all the success that they have, or? Like seeing as you're someone who's experienced, you know, both the Canterbury thing being, you know, the young fellow made a couple of academy teams or whatever, yeah. and then going to Tasman, like, is there much of a difference in the cultures? Like, yeah, from, yeah, okay. Uh,
1: I'd, I'd say there would be, like, it's hard because I was never in the Canterbury kind of professional environment, but definitely, like, as you can imagine, like, Canterbury, very traditional, like, got these, got these values that you go in and learn day one and, like, you have to live them, which is, like, which is good. But it's probably, I would say, it would be a far more pr- professional kind of at that time, like Canterbury would have been. Um, so going up to Tassie, it was, I think that's where, like, our biggest growth probably, like, and, it, and it's worked in really well with the culture that we did have there, was bringing that bit more structure and a bit more professionalism to, to the union. And it's just worked really well for us. And So I would say there would be a lot of big difference, like hearing from some boys that I know down in Canterbury, Compared to what ours, our environment's like, it's probably a bit different. But I guess that's that same thing like we we're talking about before. Like wherever you go, it's going to be a bit different. Eh? Yeah. Definitely. Like, did you Did you manage to get to play with that? The likes of Marty Banks and stuff. The
0: guys who sort of like I don't know, set the cultural sort of like drove that change. Because I mean, I remember doing some reading about Tasman, and they were on the brink of um, you know, well, like well, the union itself wasn't all that strong compared to what it is now. So yeah. I mean, I know that the guys like David Avilia are sort of the pinup up boys for you guys at the moment and a couple of the other like sort of Nelson locals who are obviously like in touch with the, the community. Not to say that you guys aren't, but seeing as you know, you're not, I guess a tried and true Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Know, but yeah. Okay. Um, I'm doing a bit of waffling here. Sorry, bro. My r- <laughs> no, right, bro, yeah. my rugby mind goes like all over the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part no, of me
0: the weather that I am. Um, but yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I touch on the fact. So when you turn up, you make a string of semi-final performances before then getting the job done against Wellington um, at home. Yeah. Last or last last year, sorry, it's 2021 now. And then yeah. last year when you guys um, pipped Auckland in the final, so you got two chips. Yeah. Uh, and so had that sort of just been like a bubbling thing for you guys in terms of like maybe some missed opportunities in those semi-finals before then, I guess finally getting the monkey off your back at home. Um, last, last last year,
1: it's I think easy. it had it had been bubbling away. Eh? Like, um, like we had the, always had the culture, and then we kind of started to get like attract players because of the kind of the, I think the brand of footy that we played it was like appealing, and people came up and kind of experienced the culture and wanted to be a part of it. And then I think it's kind of just simmering away, bro. Like. Kind of that first, I think 2016, my second year, Like we had lots of new guys come into that environment and um, that's kind of like a, what our core group is now. So with all having probably three, four years might have seen cup experience under our belts and then all actually jelling together and really having confidence in our systems and had been playing them for a few years, Like it kind of just was meant to be. and We were pretty lucky having some All Blacks um, miss out on the World Cup and got to stay around and play for us. So that kind of added to our squad. And yeah, like to be honest, bro, we 2017, we made, I think we made the final that year. Like we were probably very lucky to make that final. Um, 2018, probably a bit unlucky to miss out on the final. But so I think it's really, it was just the timing of it, everyone being together for a long time and um, yeah, just chilling. Fair.
0: Now, I mean, I mentioned the two wins. So you have the win in front of home. And obviously that would have been awesome. But then I know as a competitor, you know, beating a team after. I mean like to be fair bro, Auckland did give you guys a bit of a drubbing last yeah. year. And yeah, then to go did, to, to go back up to Eden Park and then put them in front of their home crowd. Which one was sweeter for you personally?
1: Um definitely the first one bro, like, I didn't I brought my hand round nine minus ten last year. So I didn't get to play in the final against Auckland.
0: Mm. Um
1: so definitely that first one. But like to watch that, like I I think it's fair to say we're definitely underdogs going into that game. Like we're been given absolute hiding a month before when he played them, So um, and to lose kind of Mitch Hunt, which, who's just been massive for us like the last four, few years, um, just leads that team from 10. To lose him early was pretty massive, and credit to Tim O'Malley who kind of go, goes behind the backgrounds unnoticed a lot of the time, um, doesn't get much credit, but he did a bloody awesome job to step up there and and like probably one of the bigger games that he's um, played in. So. Um, yeah, bro. It was—they're both special. Aid, like, for like from where we've come from, as a union. Um, I've been there for six years now, and to get there, like, do that again, was pretty, pretty bloody special. Aid. Would you call Tasman home for you now, or is home always going to be Christchurch? Um, I think home will always be Christchurch, but I've kind of been all over the show. Like, like I said, I was born in Auckland and lived in Gisborne for a bit. So, all my family's up in Auckland. Christchurch's definitely home, but. Like for me, right? Like going back there, and having been played there for the last six six years for Tassie, like it's always holds it's, a special place in my heart now, bro. And it's, I'm definitely going to be there for as long as I can. Um, yeah. so
0: yeah, yeah, fair game, bro. All right, and um, just to wrap up on the provincial stuff, uh, which one was the longer bender after which final?
1: Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I think they're pretty similar to us, bro. Like uh, our first one, like we just went like having that being the first time that Tessie had won it we just went so hard um, and it was more more of a sprint um, but I think, I think they both ended up being four days to be honest that last year I did not go up so I finished the day early I just I had enough bro I'd it by the Monday but then this boy still went um, on the Monday. is it wait Monday or Tuesday so I kicked it by Tuesday and the boys went and did can hold golf on Tuesday and so, yes, I think they're both similar duration. <laughs> oh,
0: true. No, the only ask is I just wasn't sure because I know that the, the Moana-Pacifica-Mauri game um, caused a few disruptions for yeah. guys and their, their, their kick-ons. But, yeah.
1: No, nice yeah, few of them missed out, though, but I think they made up for it yeah. the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> <gonna> say,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, bro. All right, but, but before you'd actually gone on and won those two chips, you earned yourself a Super Rugby contract. And again, having listened to the to the podcast you did with Jimmy Ma, it was sort of like a, a back and forth thing because you'd only initially come in as injury cover and then you go back down to Christchurch and then you go you go on back and forth. So yeah. for those that haven't listened to Jimmy Ma's podcast, which I'd encourage them to do, like could you just run us through like that whole experience, like getting the call to go up to the Chiefs, you know, maybe picking the Chiefs over another super rugby team? Like how how did that whole dynamic work?
1: Um, so that was 2016, missed out on 20s, had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, and playing that minor 10 Cup season like went pretty good, got a few lucky opportunities with injuries to our midfielders. So I ended up, I think, I spoke to um, Dave Rennie and Kieran Kane kind of um, towards the end of the 10 Cup, and I was kind of in a position where it was either between me or Johnny Faoli to get that, that, get that contract, and then kind of things settled down after that like I didn't hear from them for a while. I was actually going to go to Western Force, bro, because it's like, I got offered full contract with Western Force, um, but then it just didn't work out because they I had to play the NRC comp they've got, so I mm-hmm. didn't want to do that. Um, and then, kind of, uh, they do like a interim train. what are they, yeah, interim, tr- ITC, interim training contracts for Super Rugby, so yep. I ended up getting one from Crusaders, which would have just been till I guess, February. It's only pre-season block while the All blitz are away. Um, but then um, Renz came back and offered me like a replacement player, and uh, that was for Charlie Nato, who obviously had many concussions and was looking like he'd be out for quite a while. So it came in that same thing where, like, um, I got a bit of stick. or well, not stick, but I think there's a few hard feelings leaving the Crusaders environment um, after being offered an opportunity there. But like I said to you before, like play rugby it's about for me it's about playing rugby and um, that just kind of it just made sense to me to take a punt and come up to him on it and um, actually get an opportunity to play so yeah I guess it kind of worked out um, pretty well that year um, I did have uh, I had like a appendicitis bro it was like a rumbling rumbling one so like I think it burst but it healed and it didn't get infected so that was like kind of why I was up and back for the, at the start Got told I was going to start round one against the Landers um, after having a solid preseason, and then yeah, kind of after that because of the health with my appendix, I was kind of in and out for a wee bit, and then ended up, but then ended up getting a, I think five games in that year, so stayed pretty much stayed to the end of it, um, and then from there got a got a contract. So yeah,
0: yeah, beauty. Now I always ask this because I mean. I don't think people fully realise the, the hard yakka that you boys do during, you know, this time of year when when you're really sorta of earning your money, bro. So yeah. When you when when you get invited to go up I mean, well, with the Crusaders thing, but then when you get invited to go up um and spend that time with the Chiefs and having to go through all that hell that is, you know, pre season the running blocks, you know, yeah. putting the extra weight on. How did you find like are you are you, are you quite into your training, are you quite disciplined
1: with that stuff? Like in um Oh, I wouldn't say I. wouldn't say um, their discipline. Like, I'm I'm good with like I like gymming. Um, but I've always just absolutely hated running. Eh? So, uh, but obviously, like, for me, I, I get a little bit of anxiety around the testing and not being good in it. So I train pretty hard prior to going up, and then um, it's pretty easy, bro. Once you're in the environment, like the first week is pretty tough because the lows obviously you've gone from bugger all to heaps and you get pretty sore. But after that, it's kind of, you get used to it and um, get the testing out of the way. Then it's just tr- playing rugby and training with the, your mates. and um, So everyone's everyone's and through it, bro. But um, I've definitely learned, like, come a long way f- for me in terms of my training habits. Like, I, could, I would easily just procrastinate and be like, oh, no, I'll do it tomorrow. But um, I've definitely kind of found to enjoy my training in the off-season especially, yeah.
0: I mean, like, even the, like the lifestyle, I mean, it's one thing to, I guess, be thrown into that Tasman setup as a schoolboy and have to learn that quickly, but did it take you a while, or, or did you pick it up quite quickly, like, in that Chiefs environment, like, actually acting like a professional, you know, like, the eating, like you said, making sure you stay on top of your training, your recovery, and stuff like that, because I know that for some guys that I've talked to, it, you know, it's actually quite a rude awakening, you know, just, just how big a step up it is.
1: Yeah, I think, like, um, not so much myself, like, I'm obviously, like, probably not at that extreme level where I'm nailing everything just yet, but, like, like I said to you before, like, I've always kind of understood, like, the whole thing, and I, th- I learned pretty quick around, in the Crusaders Academy, when they were kind of teaching us about how to be professional and stuff, so I learned pretty quick, I think, and so it wasn't too much of a shot, shot to the system, yeah.
0: Alright, bro, and then... Your debut, like, who did you end up playing your first game against for the Chiefs? And, like, do you remember much from that week, like, when you got named in the side and then actually getting on
1: the field? Yeah, so, um, I think we played, who did we play? So we might have played the Hurricanes or... No, it was the Bulls, bro. It was the Bulls. We played the Bulls at home before the team was meant to travel to South Africa. And that old um, Johnny Foley, um, if, if you know him, you know... He loves to put his shoulder on. He's bloody good at it. Um, but can sometimes sometimes get marginal with the um, timing. A yeah, little bit timing. reckless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so credit to Johnny for smoke, smoking a dude. Got um. He got a couple, I think got a two-game suspension, So which meant he would have to miss the, the African tour. So luckily I was the next in line. So I go with the boys, went to Cape Town, which was bloody just out of the gate, bro, like been like, a, I think I was still 19, Oh no. maybe 20 by now, like, just a young kid, like, not having done much travel and getting to go to South Africa, which is awesome, but I wasn't meant to play, but there's this thing, like, kind of unspoken thing when you go to South Africa around, like, getting food poisoning, getting sick when you get over there, like, probably a combination of the long travel and immune system being down a bit, <clears throat> um, so old Finlay Christie, who was meant to, um, be, on the bench for, I think it was um, Brad, Brad Webber. He got a tummy bug, bro, and I was the only spare bat cover. So I've come in like, as, a, as the third bat cover for for half bat, pretty much, like the day before the game. like It was late as. So ended up getting five minutes because Beaver. So I went on for Beaver. It was pretty cool, actually. I went on for Stephen Donald at, Newland, at Newlands for my debut against the, against the Stormers. Um, so that's pretty cool I was only on for five minutes but I made a tackle I think I tackled Siakalisi got absolutely sp- um, steamrolled I tackled him but it, it bloody hurt um, so yeah it's pretty cool that's not a
0: bad wee cameo you know coming <laughs> on for the legend that has been <laughs> the legend yeah and then tackling Siakalisi alright yeah. I mean yeah. and how does I mean you played in front of some crowds now but like how do how do South African crowds like compare to everywhere else in the world like even you know playing at Eden Park or Planet at the
1: zoo yeah right? um, bro. to be honest like they're, they're, they're awesome I'm pretty sure they love the New Zealand boys going there eh? just because they're just a massive um, they're just massive rugby fans there and then obviously I think back in the I don't know it was a while ago when the All Blacks went there and like the large African community just getting around like the Polynesian boys and the Maori boys so I think they just love that kind of side of it as well um, those boys coming over and yeah, like they they cheer both ways. They eh? like um, they'll be booing you, but then if you do something epic, they'll be they cheering you on and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was, it was awesome, bro. there's no no bad feelings at all around that.
0: Oh, unreal. And then like the, the second crowd I want to get to because you played in the game over in Fiji. Yeah, uh, and, and you know the the work that I guess sansa is doing around I guess getting in behind the. The, the Pacific Islands and given the opportunity to watch you guys live, and I mean, like, can you relay anything from that week that you spent over there and just even how different that was as a rugby experience for you? Like, again, having gone to South Africa and played in New Zealand, played in Australia,
1: yeah. Um, the Fijian one or the South African one? No, Fijian, Fijian. Oh, sorry, yeah. um, I think it's the same kind of bro, like, just massive rugby fans. Like, that week we played the Crusaders over there was like probably one of the best weeks I've had in the rugby environment. Like we got to go around you go to these schools bro and just go get, get around the community and they just absolutely love it. Like they're just the nicest people. Um just so much hospitality and just respect and just love it. So um that was pretty special to go over there bro and do that. Um and then the same, like the crowd was out the gate. Like they'd they just cheer both ways. Half of them had the Crusaders jerseys on, half of them had the Chiefs jerseys on. But like they're just screaming the whole time. Like it was, it was so loud that day, amongst other things. But yeah, it was yeah, pretty, it was pretty special. I was pretty lucky to go to Fiji a couple of times and play over there, but It's pretty, it's an awesome place to go. I mean, even their game, bro. That um, the one that I talk
0: about—the uh, combat that you guys had against Crusaders. Like, <laughs> yeah. in terms of games that you've played, and has there been a, I don't know, a sweeter win? Besides, obviously, the stuff you have done with Tasman, like the ones where you win. But you know, just yeah. the actual game itself. Because I mean, that was just an epic one. Like, even for me, I can still remember it. You know, yeah. I like my Marlow's step, and then um, was it Tamu Manu like catching like the twenty-two drop? Yeah, like, bro. Yeah. Oh, it
1: was, oh, honestly, hectic. Eh? Like. I would say it'd have to be the sweetest game I played in. Um, in terms of like coming back from nowhere, like I think it was twenty. We're twenty minutes down, and it was like twenty-two 0 already. Um, mm. it was like it was probably the hardest game I played in as well. Just like the conditions, it was probably high high twenties, but like the um humidity was out the gate. Um, it was like hot, like that warm kind of dense. Um, moisture feeling in your mouth Yeah. Um, and we were just getting like we were just getting pumped in the first 20 like we were just defending the whole time bro and it was so hard and then somewhere out of nowhere I think was it am I, Was it Solomon that break and try or Anton mm. off a kickoff or something the momentum just kind of turned you know, I remember being kind of running down that right edge a couple times bro and then I think I got got on the end of something and kicked it and you're just absolutely blowing like you've just got nothing left to give Um. so Definitely that game, like, the hardest, but probably the sweetest in terms of that. Like, come back and more off that 22 dropout just to do that, bro, just to seal it and seal the deal. Um, Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's always good being, like, Crusaders, bro, because like, obviously they've been leading the way, so um, it's always pretty cool to beat, beat the top team, yeah.
0: And I don't want to cry here, but for someone who's from Christchurch, do you get a kick? Like, are they your favourite team to beat, the Crusaders? Like just being like um, a hometown boy like sorry man again I'm, 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 no, just, you're just, right.
1: the question yeah. is like to ask it's a good question yeah no um i don't i don't think so bro it's more like i don't really have any kind of emotion around me growing up there and um playing against them it's just more so kind of the fact that they are just they've been the benchmark for so long and like they are so good and obviously i've got a lot of mates in that team as well so um, it's always pretty cool beating them. Um, like we, did we beat them? Beat them last year. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does mm-hmm. yeah. No, nah, it is always. It is always good beating them, bro. But not not kind of in that kind of that way. I don't think. Nah. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough, bro.
0: All right. So, yeah. then, so you, you got your chief stuff. Um, and then you've actually paid for the Māori All Blacks as well.
1: Yeah, bro. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: Again, like I know that the the Maori All Blacks environment is one that's spoken really highly of, and it's very unique. Um, yep. so can you give me your account from your time with the team?
1: Yeah, um, it is very unique and it is like unreal. It's um, you do a lot of community stuff, like getting around the Maori culture, and we were lucky enough to be in Rotorua for, um, I think maybe four or five days before we went to Fiji, and just to get around around the place and see how strong Maori rugby is there, and. The culture of it is pretty cool. Um, I've been I'm pretty fresh to all that stuff, so for me it was a real experience, and definitely like the culture's um, real relaxed. Like you, you can just be yourself. Like there's no kind of seriousness around it. Like we obviously when we train, we train hard, and um, we try to be professional around that stuff. But um, it's definitely very relaxing, and there's no kind of no expectation or pressure coming in. You just kind of could be yourself and. And I think that shows through the rugby that they play, like, it's just real expressive and, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bloody awesome time, bro, yeah.
0: Yeah, and when you touched on the fact that you probably, I don't know, you weren't all that familiar with, the, with your Māori tanga, just from a, even from a personal standpoint. So did being in that environment actually give you any incentive to perhaps look further into it and I guess maybe have a greater, de- deeper appreciation for being Māori?
1: Oh, definitely, like... Um, Cause my old man's adopted, so like all of that stuff came real late. Like, I didn't wasn't expecting to be in the team at all. Um, so it all come kind of real close to the time ta- the, um, the time the team was announced. So definitely, like for me, not really knowing heaps and kind of learning a lot about it, about the culture and whatnot in that kind of environment um, makes me kind of want to do some digging. So um, it has been, well, I'm always on my old man's case to try and keep digging and find out a bit more and. Do some searching and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely, bro.
0: Cool. And even on a personal, bro, bro, because I think that's, I think that captures everything I wanted to get from a rugby perspective. And I, um, for me, again, from all the all the digging I've done with you and your story, bro, I know that you have um, a, you have something that's quite close to your heart in terms of some of the stuff you do away from the rugby paddock, bro. So, do you want to get into you, you know your ambassadorship for Kill Kids and yeah, bro, yeah, when, and and that, how that, how that charity resonates with you.
1: Um, yeah so i'm the youngest of um, three boys so um i got my middle brother hugo and then my oldest brother william but william was diagnosed with neuroblastoma which is a um which is a form of cancer when he was um, pretty young he'd fought it and gone got, got into a remission at one stage for pretty much since for the last three years of his life bro so Absolute warrior, Um, but he kinda it's pretty special for me just to give back, I guess Um, Especially for my parents, bro, like for what they've gone through I guess for anyone um, Who has to put up with stuff like that as parents? It's bloody tough. i take my hat off to them Um, So just to pretty much just give back to the um, to them, bro And also use like the platform that we've given with rugby like we're very lucky to be put out there in the um, public eye a lot and just to give back and make that kind of what they're trying to do but more known to kind of my friends and family and the people that follow me so yeah it's pretty special to be a part of bro so I think for a family friend I knew someone that worked for cure kids and pretty much just told them my story and about my brother and my parents and they got in touch with me and then pretty having pretty quick just went up and saw them and now i got an awesome relationship and get to help out where i can with them so yeah it's bloody special
0: not to put you on the spot bro but if you can relay it off the top of your head like where can people go to find out a little bit more and perhaps you know give a bit of heart if they do have the money line around otherwise if, if if you don't have it off the top of your head bro i'll make sure to include it <laughs> in oh, and goes with this
1: um so it's just curekids.co.nz, i'm pretty sure if you just google that it'll take you to their website and it's a real inf- informative website like they've got all the research they're doing there and um, there's a donation link on that page so if, if people do want to do that that'd be awesome eh um, but otherwise Instagram Facebook I think they're kind of they're pretty well documented on um, social media so lots of information about what they're doing it's pretty special stuff bro so like um, yeah have a look if they're interested there.
0: Eh? hard out bro
1: yeah definitely need to get in behind that bro
0: um and yeah, thank you very much for sharing that, bro. I know that's a, you know, for different people to you know something work. personal growth. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, before I round out uh, the show, bro, I do have two last segments. One's a funny one, but yeah. as a professional and someone, you know, you guys are creatures of habit, uh, could you perhaps run us through what a, a game day looks like for you or even like the night before? And do you have any superstitions or like routines that you run through that you have to do before games?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, it's always the, the one that stands out as the treats the day before the game. So I've kind of got introduced to it coming out of school into the professional environment at Tassie, and lots, lots of the boys do it um, still now. Is just to kind of relax and take your mind off rugby and just trying to that whole kind of viewpoint of it, like kind of chill out before the game. You go get heaps of treats and stuff like that, bro. So always the day before the game, smash some chocolates and lollies, and um, just to have you kind of chill out and not take take it too seriously. Um, but other than that, I'm not real too, um, real superstitious, eh? Hey? I always listen to um, the same playlist, kind of, day before the game, but that's just because it's drum and bass, and it kind of gets me in the zone. But, yeah, probably the treats of the night before, and then the day of the game, like, depends. Like, obviously, like, we've been playing at 7.30 for the last few years quite a bit, so it's a lot of sitting around, to be honest. Like, it's a pretty boring day. Um, for, for me, it's just trying to keep my mind off it, I guess, so I could it can kind of just cruise, and um, but you have a like a unit session. We always go through our units um, about four hours before the game, just that kind of last clarity, get on your feet, walk around for a bit, kind of connect with the boys, and then have a pre-match feed. Is it three hours, four hours? No, three hours maybe. I'm not sure, anyway. <laughs> and then um, then you've kind of got that time in between yourself, and that's kind of where you mentally kind of try and prepare, um, get your strapping down. And then turn up, and it's kind of they're that, that warming up and stretching and um, getting prepped, and then obviously the the game, the match, they warm up. So yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty um, long day doing not much to be honest, bro, before the rugby starts. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a
0: lot of boys like to like sleep and stuff, and
1: I I don't know because I only ever play at
0: lunchtime, so bro. Yeah. Like being a club rugby battler. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the boys do say that like it's almost too long than yeah. what they like because, I mean, you get up in the morning and then you're sort of thinking about the game but you don't want to be thinking about the game and then, you know, you, you're watching sort of what you eat because you don't want to be – or some guys don't like being too heavy before yeah. games and then, you know, like – or like anyone, bro, like if you, if you spend the whole day, you know, enough, you get up nice and early – you know, you're, you're tired sort of around the time that you guys kick off. Well, you know that's when yeah. everyone
1: sort of suddenly settle down. Whereas, like you guys, got to get yourselves up. So I know, I know. A lot of caffeine goes in um, <laughs> before the warm up, but it is, bro. It is like a lot of. The, I know a lot of the boys do sleep. Like I try to sleep in in the morning. Um, so it kills a bit of time. I don't, yeah, I don't eat too much either. But it is kind of a drag. It was awesome that our um, tour comp because the games are so early. Mm. Like, we were playing at like four thirty. Um, kind of 5 5.30 so if that was way better bro just that couple of hours makes such a difference uh, in terms of pre- 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 preparing for the game yeah exactly bro yeah
0: cool alright so that's Alex on game day Um, and then my last segment bro Um, is just called 10 in the bin so it's got 10 questions for cars, yep. you guys and just answer them as honestly as possible please ok
1: sweet bro alright All uh,
0: what is your go to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out spates
1: spates Spades. spates, spates. Right. <laughs> who's the
0: biggest coach's pet you've been around Ooh, Quinn Strange <laughs> is there a reason for that could, could you elaborate
1: nah he's just he's just a professional bro like uh, I've known him for a long time and um, he just does everything he needs to and also give him a bit of shit for it too so <laughs> no, nah, he's, he's always like always asking questions of the coaches or getting feedback and um, doing what it needs to be uh, get done so um, yeah but obviously it shows and his performances.
0: He's not a bad okay. player, bro. All right. Yeah, he's um, good. What is your
1: least favorite fitness block? Um, it's a good question. To be honest, they're all pretty tough for me. Eh? Uh, the longest up, bro. Like two hundred, kind of three hundred, four hundred. We did this one through lockdown. It was like a one hundred, then a two hundred, then a three hundred, then a two hundred, then a one hundred, and just that long running. I've got a Terrible Gary Gary Jet, my back's fucked. So, um, just anything long like that, bro. It's no good for me. No, no long running. Yeah. enough <laughs> uh, favourite cheat meal. Ooh. Definitely chocolate. Um. Any any sort. Whitaker's is unreal.
0: Um, yeah, I'm Kit
1: definitely...
0: Kat. Yeah, very love love, I'd... love it i was just about to ask you but yeah cadbury 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 or whittakers but yeah good to hear what Whittaker, yeah man. whittakers
1: man whittakers man 100 percent.
0: Right. okay what you'll have to on a day off
1: oh that's a good question it's probably like coffees um just chill try to do minimal as possible or normally go for a feed actually like that's quite good just to kind of not get up too early and then go out for a feed and have a coffee with the boys. It's always it's always good to connect and just chill out.
0: Mm, me, All right. What's your most regretful baller purchase? So what do I mean by that is that what have you gone out, splashed a whole lot of money on and then been like, F, I did not need to buy that.
1: It's a good question, bro. Um... I went to the Nike store because I, I got support from Nike and we got a we go when you go to Melbourne you get like a 40% off like so main mm. discount but I would gone over there and bought all these shoes and like they were kind of like because there's a real select um, like uh, variety of shoes there they weren't like the kind of most plain or whatnot so I've probably bought about three <laughs> pairs of shoes spent like solid 600 bucks and just don't even wear them at I think gave someone to my brother. Yeah, so yeah, probably that to be honest.
0: True. And then, bro, on that note, sorry, I'm I'm gonna pick up on that. How does how does all that stuff work? And why does Nike not have a bigger sort of face in the rugby game Yeah,
1: there? that's a good question. Um so it's kinda like you either get approached, like when you go when like the boys about the all blacks and stuff, like they'll get approached by kind of brands so they can wear their boots like kind of just that market employee pretty much and for like the guys like myself um your agent would have the contacts with the with the company so i've been with nike for a while um uh, pretty much they've got a relationship and they look to support a certain amount of players and they'll give you kind of free boots and um runners so the support's dropping though bro like with nike um, like what you just asked, um, because they don't have a massive kind of market share in rugby and like they're obviously huge and like the likes of soccer and like they don't really need um, need to be putting their boots on rugby players so I think that's kind of why it's been dropping off like it used to be I think a couple years ago I'd get like eight pairs of boots and four pairs of runners but now it's like five and one so um, that's just how Nike operate, though. I like their boots, so I rock them. But I know with Adidas and a couple of the others, you get like um, credit and vouchers and a certain amount of pairs of boots and casuals as well. So
0: true. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, because well, yeah, I, I'm I definitely like. If I were to pick one, if I was in your position, I'd follow the same suit. I'd, I'd prefer Nike over any other yeah. sports brand. But and they've got such a big. Um, sort of following even over in Europe like over in England and stuff like that like yeah. a lot of the a lot of the English boys and the, and the French boys do it but yeah I guess just because of Adidas' stronghold over here that, yeah. that that's probably why we don't yeah. see as big a push with their product a
1: bit of a shame place. really
0: bro, bro honestly bro I think yeah. their, their kit's better than oh, yeah. Adidas personally but yeah again um, <laughs> yeah. that's not the world that we live in, nah, not no. in with, um here in land, alright Um, yeah. guilty music pleasure bro
1: Guilty music pleasure. Bro I'm I'm massive um reggae, eh? like I'm not real like out there with it, to be honest. Like, I like John and Bass and stuff, like it's always a good shout. Um but like people don't when I put on my songs in the car, like Catch a Fire, LAB, um The Black Seeds, Fly My Pretties, all that stuff. Like just love it. My old man loves it, so I just grew up listening to all that music, yeah.
0: Choice, bro. Yeah, I'm the exact same kidlerfish fish Yeah. Set. Um. Question number eight. What is your go-to dance move?
1: Oh, bro. I honestly can't even dance. Eh. Like, <laughs> it's gun, to your, head, oh, gun I, to your head, though. I did. I do this, I, I do this one. Um. I think I saw an NFL player do it, and it's like this. This uh, is it. The Millie Rock, <laughs> maybe the one where you swipe your hands. <laughs> yeah, me, me and um, me and me have a little joke about it, bro. Cause, I'm, yeah, I've just got no rhythm in terms of dancing, so I always pick up on what NFL players do when they score touchdowns or whatever, and we've got like a bit of a handshake where we do a few of them, and that's so definitely the Billy Rock, I guess, if that's what it's called.
0: It's true, so if you get a dot this upcoming season, is that what we're seeing as the try celebration?
1: Nah, mate, I'm running, I'm running back to halfway. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you won't see me dancing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
0: uh, who's the biggest grub you played with and against?
1: Oh, Grub. I think a lot of people will agree with me on this one definitely Mitch Brown Mitch Brown but like an undercover like probably not like dirty but like just a, he's, a, he's a tough 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 man um, brings just, the niggle yeah brings the niggle chucks chucks his head in dark places for the boys but it's all in that com- competitive edge like getting under people's skin nothing nothing real dirty but yeah definitely him
0: alright last question bro you just gotta finish the sentence yeah. Saturdays are for the boys <laughs> perfect perfect answer bro perfect answer there have there, been some guys who have gone down enough a bath but um, uh, good to see that you're um, you're continuing the great yeah <laughs>
1: It is, it is. <laughs> All one right, bro. Greats. Well,
0: that, that, that wraps everything up, man. This has been awesome. An absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you again yes. for taking some time out tonight
1: to no worries, have a quarter bro. with me,
0: bro. Um, share a little bit about yourself. Um, and yeah. if I ever get the chance to um
1: see you again, bro, or see you in real life, I have to buy you a beer. Hold me to it. Oh, 100%. We have more than one, bro. 100%. Thanks for having me on, brother. No worries, <laughs> man. Peace. Have a good one, eh? Yo, CJ.